0: Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Maps weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor, Eric Sandler. I have Justin Turner from Boca Italian Kitchen coming up in a little bit, but first I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is a beverage specialist who has consulted on the menus for a number of successful Houston bars and restaurants. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: I'm great, living my best life in this wonderful, humid Texas weather.
0: (laughs) Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Chef Philippe Schmidt has partnered with front of house specialist Sebastian Laval to open PS21, a new French restaurant in the Upper Kirby area in the former Queen Vic space. We know Philippe from his time at Bistro Moderne and his eponymous French fine dining restaurant, Philippe. People may recognize Sebastian from his work at places like La Tab, Le Colonial, and MAD. He has also done some consulting for Musafir and other restaurants. Linda, I say all that to say to you, are you excited to have Philippe Schmidt back in the world of Houston restaurants?
1: Honestly, I think that the most exciting part of that partner, those partnerships, is that they've got some really good, really good components coming from Philippe to the bar director to the front of the house specialist. Like, I think that nowadays you can't just have a great chef. You have to have someone that really understands beverage, really understands front of the house. I think. I'm excited to see where this is going to, how this is going to to roll into a a, a larger machine.
0: You know, I I think that's a good observation because when I talked to Philippe, he said, "I've been chasing Sebastian since like 2019." You know that that he he had the sense that he's he's been doing some consulting, he's been doing some private chef work, but that to get back into a restaurant that it wasn't just because Sebastian is, they're both French. It was that Sebastian has this great resume and and all this experience and that, that he can kind of keep an eye on the, the business side of the restaurant and let Philippe do his thing in the kitchen.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it used to be that if you, if you had a really good Bobby Hugo or if you could have someone like Schmidt or you could have a, jose andres or something like all of those things used to be like that that could drive the force but i think nowadays everyone is expecting for you because of the way that the houston food scene is is that you have to have all three components front of the house back of the house and then there's something in the middle called bar that that can that can swing away that swing away you know um on how people feel about the whole concept so i'm excited to see what they've how this how this monster comes out
0: yeah i mean it It opens this week it opens on the 9th and then they they their friends and family service over the weekend i think there's a lot of interesting components here you know philippe is doing kind of classic french with a twist right like he's doing yeah. bouillabaisse but he's grilling the seafood instead of poaching it or confining it or, or however else you might you might prepare the, the seafood in that dish. You know, he's doing a, a duck Wellington instead of a beef Wellington. He's doing... Yum. With all these different components. Yeah, no, someone... Indeed, I, I was trading DMs with someone who went to friends and family. She said, get the duck Wellington. And I said, I, I appreciate that, but like you, you didn't have to tell me that. Like I, the duck Wellington <laughs> was happening. I see duck Wellington on a menu and that's happening whether you... Like you could tell me it's terrible and I'm still going to be like, yeah, I actually want to try that.
1: You're like, yeah, check me, Daddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, an all an all French wine list. Oh, uh, yes. Priced, you know, fifty to two fifty with a with a very fancy reserve wine list that's like will only be given to people that they sort of think are like worthy of it.
1: Uh, oh my and, gosh, get out of here! <laughs> and
0: then the cocktail menu, I think, is interesting because it's taking its inspiration from all of the places where French culture has sort of been exported around the world. So, you know, there's one name for Beirut and there's one name for Montreal and there's one name for someplace in the Caribbean.
1: Well, some of that bar staff is from Musafir and these are well recognized. These aren't just Houstonian cocktail people. These are international bartenders. So these bartenders might not have like a bunch of James Beard award resumes, but they know what they're doing. So I'm really excited to see what this uh, how this cocktail many fleshes out in, in real life.
0: Well and and you know, I know that, you know, so many Houston bartenders have sort of trained through Anvil and its affiliate concepts and, and they all do very well and they all make very delicious drinks. But I, I always like when someone comes from out of town because it's a it's a different perspective. It's a different mindset. And so I'm always sort of excited to see like what they come up with. I'm with you. So so let me just ask you, I mean, what are your so, so given all of these different components, like what are your, what are your expectations for PS 21?
1: Well, you already heard it. I just, I want to go check out this cocktail menu. I want to, I want to feel this, this, uh, French hospitality. And I want to hope, I hope that playlist and that, uh, lighting is right. Uh, let's just see what happens.
0: And, and tableside side raclette service. They're going to just scoop gooey raclette all over everything.
1: Ooh, fuck me up, daddy. <laughs>
0: All right. Topic number two. The space in the heights that was Chivos is going to be home to Best Regards, a lounge style bar with international DJs providing entertainment. Uh, I will say this is, you know, Chivos had been part of Night Moves Hospitality, which has Trash Panda Drinking Club and Space Cowboy. So they're they're out. And a woman named Morgan Hansen, a commercial real estate professional is taking over the space. So Linda, let me just ask you, I mean, Houston has kind of its nightlife districts, and they're they're not they're not sort of directly in the heights. Like Washington Avenue definitely has that. And then, you know, we'll call it technically Shady Acres, you know, 19th and 20th Street, sort of just east of the Heights, has that like really thriving bar district. But the heart of the Heights, I mean, you know, that's kind of restaurants. It's gonna be right next to Eight Row Flynn. it's gonna be near Sophia and Lauro. I mean, what do you think about Best Regards being the, the latest addition to, to everything that's going on on 11th Street?
1: I'm really confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very confused. I think you and I have talked about this on the show, and I talk a lot about this in my personal or whatever, my professional life. Know your neighborhood international djs it sounds like a nightmare in fancy cars and loud music and broken heels and i don't know it just doesn't doesn't fit that neighborhood like put that in east downtown somewhere maybe or put it in on the edge of i don't know i'm just put
0: it it in midtown put it next to yeah well, on 20th uh, street yeah. like it it does seem like an odd fit.
1: no i'm like did, that neighborhood is very finicky that's why chivos even though it was such a great restaurant with really great intentions the neighborhood is very like they don't want you to open at 4 p.m that neighborhood wants to be ready to have cocktails at 11 a.m and you need to be able to park your you know your stroller and your dog somewhere that's what that neighborhood wants so I don't, uh, let's see what happens.
0: <laughs> so, you know, I, I did ask the the publicist who sent this information to me. I said, what is Morgan Hansen's background in the hospitality business? And they said, she doesn't really have any, but she's working with people who do. So now I, I know that you're well compensated to give people advice when they open bars like this, but, but give her a little free advice. What's the one thing that she should keep in mind as she's working with these people to get this place. Because, because I think she's going to bring the perspective of someone who, who patronizes these kind of establishments, right? I'm sure she has a very clear vision for what she wants best regards to be like and what she wants it to look like and the kind of drink she wants to serve and all of that, right? I, I, don't, I don't doubt that she's passionate and committed to making this successful. But I also know that opening the doors and serving people is a whole different animal. So, so, what is your one piece of advice for Morgan Hansen?
1: A long, a long brunch for a neighborhood like that will, will clear, clear all of your bills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, let's move on to topic number three. Dallas-based hospitality group FB Society is bringing Haywire, its Texas comfort food restaurant to the former Valone's space in Gateway Memorial City. FB Society also owns Velvet Taco, 60 Vines, and Whiskey Cake. Now, Linda, I know anytime I say that something's not opening for a long time, you oh. you tell me I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but this is when the, this is when the news was released, people are excited about this. So it's not coming until 2024.
1: Oh, come on. (sighs) Okay.
0: But what do you think about Texas comfort food from the 60 Vines people? Are you, in general, are you excited?
1: I'm so excited to talk about a restaurant that's nowhere near me nor in time or space going to be open in the next eight or nine months. But you like (gasps) 60 Vines. I love sixty vines. I like that concept. I also like whiskey cake out in the burbs. It's a really, it's a beacon of great hospitality and surprisingly um, and, good cocktails. Yeah, they have a they have a really really good. It's a really good concept. Whoever owns these these uh, these restaurants, they're very thoughtful. I can't. I really do. I I'm, I'm kind of joshing about the about the other stuff, but no, I think that's a group that every time I I see them. Whether it be inside the loop, outside the loop, or in other small towns, they really give good culture, good hospitality culture in whatever little area that they're in. So I don't know what Haywire is like, but they do. I'm sure they've done their research, and they need, they always need more comfortable, family style restaurants in uh, in Memorial.
0: No, I, I think that's all right and I got this press release and I'm sort of reading through this and looking at the menu online and, and they're like, Oh yeah, we do, we do brunch and we do chicken and waffles and chicken fried steak. And we have steaks on the menu and, and comfort food. And I'm like, that sounds a lot like state fair. And of Uh course state fair is right there also in gateway Memorial city. It's been a staple there for several years now. And so I, I went back to them and I said, how is this different right what makes haywire different from state fair because just from the text they sound very similar mm-hmm. and and the answer was more stakes right it's it's a little more upscale it'll have its own kind of unique design right like it'll be a little darker a little more a little more grown up and that's that's kind of that's kind of how it's going to set itself apart so It's an interesting, we're going to be in an interesting situation, I think, where, you know, Memorial City has Perry's, which is kind of your classic, more upscale steakhouse. You're going to have Stay Fair and then somewhere in that squishy middle, kind of of like maybe a little bit like too fancy for little kids, just fancy enough for like happy hour and, and date night. But you don't want to spend all the way up to the regular steakhouse. Like you're not, you're not going to Taste of Texas, you're not going to Perry's. There's haywire. A- and so I, I it'll be interesting to see how all of these restaurants kind of sort themselves out.
1: I will say one thing, and this is I think that this is it's something that I, I strongly believe in in neighborhoods, in in the burbs, in inside the loop. A rising tide raises all shifts. The more restaurants that you have that are accessible and good within an area, all it does is it creates better, better hospitality. It creates a better diversity and it creates, it creates more people wanting to, it becomes an asset in a neighborhood. It gives you more options. We are more restaurants per capita and everywhere I, I travel when I'm gone for three days or nine days, we're a town of restaurant culture, and so bring it on. It'll just make the, the 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 pot sweeter. You know, we love going out. If we can go out four days a week, awesome. If we can go out five days a week, I mean, I, you know, after the pandemic, I have a lot of I have a lot of problems sometimes, especially out in the burbs, getting reservations. Like, you'll go somewhere, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, we're on a one and a half hour wait because." We don't have enough tables um, or they have tables, but they don't have enough staff. So maybe it'll make it easier for people to uh, sustain their, 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 their restaurant communities. So I can't wait to see what they have up for that neighborhood. Uh, because I mean, look, you just said state of uh, state fair. Do you remember when state fair first opened? It was like the only kind of restaurant out there, but now you've got federal American grill in that neighborhood. They're, 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 they're busy. We've got tree beards out there. They're very busy. They're all there They're all and they're all different at different price points. You know, right.
0: Right. The room is coming out there later this year. Via three one three is coming from Austin.
1: Yeah. With all the yeah. taco
0: just opened out there. Mia's table opened yep. after State Fair. There's all yeah this like stuff in that area. all
1: this stuff and all of those restaurants. I mean, yeah, maybe State Fair has lost a little bit of its like new kid, new kid feel. But that just also just makes a restaurant that's already successful, makes them, you know, makes them a little hungrier, you know, so we'll just see what happens.
0: Absolutely. All right, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to do something we don't usually do on this show, and that is talk about a chain restaurant. We're going to talk about Fremo Hoagies. This is the East Coast-based sandwich shop that just opened up on Washington Avenue. And, and the reason that I wanted to talk to you about this is, first of all, I know that you, of all of my friends, appreciate a well-crafted sandwich. and And second, people are raving about this place. People in the food world are going to this restaurant. They're posting pictures and they're saying, "This is the best East Coast style sandwich shop in Houston."
1: Yeah, better than
0: better than Jersey Mike's, better than what they're doing at Home Slice out of Austin. You know, when, when Michael Michael Fulmer and I talked about that on the show, we talked about the meatball sub. We talked about their Italian sandwich. Yeah, so- they own,
1: those guys only have two sandwiches, and their and their main their main their main king is pizza, right? That's right. No, these guys these guys are sandwich kings.
0: All right, so so let me just ask you in your opinion does it live up to the hype?
1: You know, if you like a fucking tasty sandwich with a lot of really good ingredients, I'd say you come and talk to me and tell me tell me what is wrong with this place. I honestly I watched um I saw the first time I saw the san- the sandwich was someone that ordered this sandwich over Uber Eats. Okay. So that's generally like that's one of the things that I hear a lot of restaurateurs and restaurant people in general is oh, we don't like to we think you should have your your sandwich or your my you know my my meal at at my place. That is this is the first look of what I saw online was someone ordering it at Uber Eats. It gave good good marks. Um, that was the, the first like, hmm, what's going on here? The second thing about this place is I walk in this afternoon or this morning at 1045 a.m. There are three pretty famed restaurant people sitting, chowing down on delicious sandwiches. They could barely even say hi to me. Shout out to Blood Brothers boys. They were eating delicious sandwiches. They said, "We're we're in. This is our favorite sandwich right now." And then you and I had sandwiches this afternoon. So I ask you, what do you think? <laughs>
0: yeah, I I was very impressed, right? I, I thought the the quality of bread was good. You know, not too doughy, not certainly not sweet, right? A little bit, a little bit of a decent, a decent like exterior crunch, soft in the middle. I thought the quality of the meats was good. They all, yeah, they all tasted. They tasted good together. The vegetables were fresh. The tomatoes were, you know, actually tasted like tomatoes, which can be like a real downfall of serving tomatoes in a chain restaurant. Everything was seasoned well. Everything was balanced. You know, we just had Michelle Wallace on the show last week. She talked about a sandwich as a song where all the little components, all the different instruments have to come together to make the song sound good. And I thought, this is a song I want to listen to.
1: Yeah, it's a good tune. Yeah, it's a very good tune. It's a good sandwich. I ordered, I ordered three half sandwiches and a big bag of chips and stuff. And all the sandwiches, the half sandwiches were, you know, nine bucks. That's, I think, a great deal. We had, we had a couple of, we had a Diablo, um, an Italian and a meatball. Good. I mean, the meatballs, the meatball sandwich was okay to me, but that's yeah, I think the, the meatball
0: sandwich was the worst. Was the worst. Like the meatball sandwich was just, okay. just I'm, okay. I'm gonna stick with. I'm gonna stick with my favorites, like Home Slice and Love Buzz. For that, I
1: think. Yeah, but a delicious cold cuts and tasty, tasty Italian sandwich is the way to go.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I think that's all well said. I, you know, you talked about Uber Eats. I, I think this is going to be in the Uber Eats rotation for me because there's not. It's it's close enough to where I live, right? There's there's not really a Jersey Mike's close by, which would have been my kind of default in the chain restaurant sandwich category before this. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm impressed, and and I'm not surprised that that some of our friends in the food world are checking this place out because there's that you hear it sort of constantly, right? Houston doesn't have very many good sandwiches.
1: We have great burgers, yeah. We have we have, have, great, we have burgers. great burgers.
0: We have wonderful banh mi. We have good po' boys. Yeah. We have tacos all day long. We're not a sandwich, we're not a sandwich city. We're
1: not a sandwich city, but you know what? Here we go, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is gonna scratch the itch for a lot of people. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Primo Hoogies? No, that's it. You have any any other dining experiences you want to share with the people before we wrap this up?
1: I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I wish more people would send me a line on instagram Linda htx to send me more racks of you know delicious snackage and great condiments i don't know i'm all ears
0: there there you go slide into linda's dms make her a, make her a compelling food offer and we'll talk about it the next time she's on the show linda hey, salinas yeah. thank you very much
1: <laughs> hey thanks so much we'll talk to you soon
0: and i'll be right back with justin turner I am joined this week by a returning guest. We remember him from his time as the chef owner of Bernie's Burger Bus. For the past couple of years, he has been the director of culinary hospitality for McCord Development. They operate Generation Park, a mixed use project up in Northeast Houston. Justin Turner, welcome back to the show. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, Eric. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for doing this. You know, it's, it's funny. Time flies, right? Because in some ways I feel like you were just on the show, but the reality is that it was three years ago and it was right around this time because we could kind of see the pandemic coming, but we didn't know what it would mean for, for any of us, you know, for, for, for our lives, for society, for restaurants, for anything. And you were very candid. You said, you know, Bernie's might not make it, you know, if, if there was a long shutdown that it, it might not, it might not last. And, and sure enough, I mean, Bernie's burner bus was, you know, one of the first restaurants to kind of pack up shop. So uh, obviously I want to, I want to talk about all the things you've got going on now, but just kind of look back on, on where you were three years ago. and, and, kind of what do you remember about about this time and, and kind of making the decision that Bernie's Burger Bus had run its course?
2: You know, we were, um, <laughs> it's a uh, trip down memory lane, but I, I remember it just like yesterday. It, it really hit for us um, at the end of March. Um, I, I kind of just knew that we've only got a couple months left. Our model was not set up correctly to do multiple items we were uh, you know singularly focused concept burgers fries shakes and as a delivery model which was really the first half of the pandemic maybe a little less than the first half but that was you know ramped up fairly high and i i just saw a really hard pivot point and i also saw you know how tough some of my landlords were. Some of them were being great. Some of them were not. So I I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, we were able to stretch it out till end of May, but I knew pretty much at the end of March we were we were faced with a, a tough challenges. But it shows our industry, right? It shows the the thin margins that we have. And if you're not prepared, if you don't have the cash flow, if you don't have the reserves you know, something like that, which was extreme, but something, you know, big, big events do pop up, big things, equipment, stuff happens. And so it just shows the uh, volatility in our industry and that, you know, lessons learned. That's, that's been my whole career of 27 years. It's just lessons learned. So.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about kind of how you wound up working at at Generation Park with McCord Development, because, because I know you I know you bounced around a little bit. You you considered some positions, you know. I know you did a little bit of consulting, but but how did how did this become the right next move for you?
2: You know, my boss uh, Ryan McCord. Um, he he's the one who sold me. I mean, I um, his vision on you know it's a huge project. It's forty two hundred um, acres of land in the third arguably fourth whatever largest city in the country so to be a part of a project that of that magnitude with someone who knew that he was going to have to put the cart before the horse in the sense of bringing hospitality out to generation park because he was starting from scratch and you know i think it was probably easy for him to turn around and say oh i could lease this out and we'll get our, you know, chain restaurants out here and, and we can get this full and we could, you know, bid this out to developers and blah, blah, blah. And, and this could be built out in a few years. But he had the idea, uh, one, probably early on, him and his dad, about Generation Park. What is this going to be? What is the meaning behind it? And the meaning behind it is, you know, this is going to be passed on to generations of McCords, Um going forward. And, and to do that, there was a lot of thought process that goes into the development. And one of them was hospitality. And again, he could have subbed this out, but he decided to bring this in house and told me this vision of, you know, what he has going on. And I'm, I'm a generation Xer. I, I don't look for jobs uh, just willy nilly with like you know this might last one or two years. This spoke to me of, of something that I could possibly end my career with um, because there's so much opportunity again in, the, in one of the largest cities in the country. So that that's really what sold me.
0: Right. You you and I are basically the same age, I think. And this is going to be ten years with Culture Map for me this summer. So you know you're even in a different situation than I am because you've got a family and you know, all that to support. And so, you know, yeah, stability is, is paramount to kind of find, you know, a project that's going to take, I mean, yes, it's, it's generations of McCords, but it's also generations of Houstonians who are going to, who are going to live there, work there, eat there on this development. I mean, it's, it's bigger, bigger than than city center or, or anything else that's gone up in the city.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, it's super exciting. And when you see, the things that we have in ideation and what we're we're looking to to build out here, um, it's it's awesome. <laughs> it's so cool, and to be a part of it in the smallest capacity uh, to bring you know good food out there and convince some of my friends to come out there and open up restaurants too. I mean that's part of the ideas you know, see me, see see what I'm doing out here, see the success that we're having in this area and how, you know, beautiful this is going to be in the city of Houston and, and get more local restaurateurs uh, opportunities up here.
0: Well yeah, let's let's start with I, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about that, but let's start with kind of what you're doing. I mean, let's start with uh Boca Italian Kitchen. I mean of of all of the different styles of cuisine that you sort of could have, you know, introduced yourself to the area with, uh, obviously, you know, people know you here around town for burgers, but, but they may not know that you have a pretty extensive background of, of cooking in Chicago and Memphis. And and maybe if, if people are really dialed into your story, they may remember that you were Shane Battier's private chef. That's how you, you got to Houston. Mm-hmm. So, so how much Italian food, Like experience did you have when you when you took Boca
2: on? Uh, Zero. No, that's not true. I (laughs) I I did probably a year um, pre deciding this was going to be a career for me. So like my high school cooking days, um, I worked at a place in Memphis called Brooklyn Bridge, a little Italian place, and I, I basically worked the pizza station there. So. When I walked into the restaurant, and mind you, we had 16 days to take this restaurant that was a previous restaurant and flip it. So uh, I had to take quick inspiration on what I had to work with, right? So I had a huge wood-fire pizza oven. And so I said, well, I'm not going to not use that. And, and part of me says, you know, uh, I want to make the cuisine make sense for both sides of this can, you know, it's two restaurants in one. So, uh, I wanted to, to keep, you know, that, that similarity of cuisine. And so we had the pizza oven on the now Lupo cafe side, but, uh, at that point, um, it was Lupo pizzeria. So we, we decided to stick with Italian heavy seafood, um, really seasonal, uh, we change out the menu quite frequently, frequently, but yeah, I love, I, I I've been there uh, right before I opened Bernie's. I, I went and cooked in Positano for three weeks. Um, so kind of like I, I have a love for Italy. In fact, me and Amber want to retire there when our kids are, are uh, older. So that's, you know, that's, Italy has always been kind of in the back of my mind. So yeah, I've got a lot of reasons now that you brought it up. I'm like, huh. I only had 16 days, but really and truly there's a lot of, a lot of things pointed to that.
0: All right. So you had this idea and you, you sort of gave yourself a, a crash course and, and I'm sure like read a bunch of cookbooks, but, but like, what have you kind of learned about, cause you've been open now for a couple of years, right? I mean, what have you kind of mm-hmm. learned about
2: Italian cooking as, as, uh boca has evolved. You know, it it's very similar to everything in my life. It's gotta be the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. So uh, Italian food is that. It's buy good ingredients, local when you can, uh, source the best when you can't get it local. And don't don't make a fuss about it. Make it about the ingredients. So if we're doing a Caprese salad, it's gotta be the best mozzarella, best tomatoes best basil if we can get all that local great if not i'll i'll import some buffalo mozzarella uh if i've got to there we make mozzarella in-house so that that is kind of the philosophy of the italian kitchen and so we kind of do that at Boca.
0: yeah i guess just kind of talk me through the menu i mean like what what are kind of your signature dishes what what's really connecting with people
2: uh, again, it's, a, a, I hate to keep harping on, but we are seafood driven. So um, we have an amazing octopus dish. Um, we do um, great variations on small plates. So Those are constantly changing. Um, we do uh, pasta uh, from back of the house, uh, pasta company. So that is, the area of the menu, we, we love to focus on that. And that constantly is changing right now. We've got a amazing cacio pepe and we do a pasta Alicia, which is a classic Italian dish made from Calabrian chilies and anchovies. Um, And then, yeah, we, we right now are, are getting some amazing rainbow trout. So I would say our rainbow trout that we're doing uh, on top of a, great risotto uh, would be a highlight. But again, it's very uh, specials driven. So we're constantly driving new things. Those menus are changing uh, frequently. So I'd say if you're into great seafood, great pastas, uh, our pizza is fantastic. Uh, it's New York style and uh, small plate appetizers, great drinks, Um I'd say a lot big focus is, is our bar as well. Fresh squeezed juices, uh, homemade syrups, you know, all the good stuff that you would expect from a good bar.
0: You know, I, I don't want to sort of overemphasize any like one anecdotal piece of evidence, but uh, a family friend I, I know that lives up in Atascacita, you know, I, I'm friends with them on Instagram and I, and I saw that they showed up at Boca a couple of weeks ago for date night. Uh, And they've got two little kids. So, you know, date night, date nights don't happen very often. And I thought Mm -hmm. that's got to be a good sign. It's, it's got to be connecting with the neighborhood. If, if this couple who aren't like big, they are not big restaurant people, but they like a good meal. If they'd found your way to their way to you, I thought, I thought that was a good sign for how you're kind of connecting with the area.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's been a great journey with, learning this side of Houston. And part of the reason why we switch the menu so often is, you know, feedback to us is priceless. So we listen to our, our customers, we talk about food, we talk about things that they're interested in. And, and if we hear enough buzz, you know, we have the ability to change it out. That's kind of the cool thing of, of uh, being in the market of, of serving Italian food is is just that. So yeah, what what are you kind of learning about the about that part
0: of town? Like, how is it different from your experiences interacting with people, say, in the Heights or Bel Air?
2: I mean, it's a very affluent area of town. They've got um, a really great palate. You know, the dishes that I didn't think were going to be hit that I just tried are actually the number one uh, dishes that have have not left uh, in two years, two and a half years since we've been open. So. Um, and they're 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 hungry. Uh, no, pun, well, pun intended. Uh, for more, you know, this is a good area of town that's growing very dramatically. As far as I'm concerned, you see stuff popping up all the time up there. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a great market. Uh, and and I think a lot of them were coming into the heights, and now that we could offer something that they don't have to drive into the heights. And, Let's keep them here,
0: yeah, you know, and it wouldn't surprise me if people up there are pretty regular travelers right just just from the proximity of the airport, it's like, oh you, you know you get a you, you accumulate your frequent flyer miles, maybe maybe you jump on a flight to new york or or even overseas in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you're you know if you live in Clear Lake or Katie and the airport's an hour away it's like it just i I don't know maybe. That's just a blind guess on my part, but it it wouldn't surprise me if people who really like to fly kind of gravitate towards being, you know, Kingwood, Umbula, Tascacita, just because it's so much more convenient.
2: Oh, for sure. And, you know, we've got a great hotel now that's been open for about a year and we're going to continue to grow. So it's like this area of town, plus like it's 15 minutes from downtown. So if you live downtown, you want to get out of downtown. It's like a 15 minute drive so that's true um, like
0: of all of the like freeways 59 north the east texas like the the easiest to navigate i think it's it's the least likely to just stab you in the eyeball you know with like some random accident that shuts everything down for sure so talk to me about lupo cafe because sort of as you you mentioned it when you when you took it over it was a pizzeria and you operated as a pizzeria for a little while uh now it's more of a, a kind of coffee shop lunch spot so so kind of tell me about, about that decision to kind of pivot what you were doing at, at Lupo.
2: Honestly, it was pretty easy. We were selling more pizza on the Boca side. And I was like, well, if we're going to continue to do this, and we're, again, very singular focused as uh, pizza, why don't we spread this menu out, open up the um the area to breakfast which is something we don't offer in generation park currently so having an element of coffee for the offices and the apartments uh offering breakfast and then offering a lunch that was uh cheaper uh to be you know just frankly honest than than what we offer at boca that was an element that i was hearing uh the neighborhood was was asking for so you know, you can't go out and spend 35, 40 bucks in an Italian place, nor do you want to eat Italian every day. So the cafe opened us up to doing different food as well. So it was kind of a answer to all the um, the things that I was hearing from the community. And we still sell the pizza in there, too. <laughs> so it does, it's so convenient. It yeah, so convenient. That's the best thing I have in one giant kitchen.
0: Yeah, so you switched that up, what, a few months ago. How's it going?
2: It's going great. You know, I mean, uh, I would love to have more business. I'm never going to say no to more business, but uh, I think the feedback's been good. Um, We've made a couple adjustments in the few months that we've been open, and uh, we serve Cat's Coffee in there, which is a great partner. Um, Fantastic coffee. So the coffee program was, was really tight. Uh, I think we make some outstanding breakfast tacos and, you know, we do a healthy take on, uh, some power bowls, uh, with a lot of different options. So it's, uh, I think it's great. I think we're going to, we're going to see the growth, especially as that area continues to grow. The apartments continue to fill up and the offices and all that. Um, I think it's going to be what that neighborhood needed. Redemption Square in particular, as we grow, you know, Redemption Square, then into more Generation Park.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think the last time I, I visited you up there, you, you sort of had a vision for other restaurant concepts that you want to do in Redemption Square. I mean, kind of where, where are you in that development process? Like what's, what's kind of on your agenda for the next, say, six months to a year?
2: You know, I think our focus is really going to be just the two restaurants that we have for the next year. Um, I think we're going to wait and see what our retail uh, that's currently in Redemption Square fills up to be um, before we, you know, we're going to use hospitality as kind of like fitting in the puzzle. So we have a lot of ideas, um, but again, our, our job is to kind of just fit into what we need to be. So if we have a 2,000-square-foot spot that we need to fill or a 4,000-square-foot spot that calls for a certain type of thing, Tex-Mex, uh, barbecue, potentially burgers one day, um, the goal is uh, to be you know, versatile uh, and agile and be able to pivot Um because we have so many different spots about to pop off here in, in generation park.
0: Yeah. I, I guess this is, this is kind of the, if you build it, they will come mentality.
2: Exactly. Um, We, you know, we've got a lot to do that with and uh, the creativity to make it diverse in how they build it is what's so cool about it. It's not just going to be houses or just commercial Mm -hmm it's going to be a really cool mix of stuff, which, um, yeah, it's going to be a good draw. It's going to be a great draw.
0: You know, one of, one of the things you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago is that you're, you're kind of trying to recruit, you know, other Houston operators to kind of give the area a shot. Do you have like a vision for either styles of cuisine or people you want to work with or, or people you've talked to? I mean, there's a certain amount of chicken and egg, right? Like if you, if you don't have enough development, then it doesn't make sense to open a restaurant there. But you might get more people interested in living or working somewhere if they knew they'd have a couple of good restaurants to patronize. So, so how do you sort of how do you sort of balance that as you're reaching out to people about uh, taking a swing and coming up there?
2: You know, it's listening to their feedback, you know, telling, letting us know what they want. But then again, we're, we want to build diversity. We've got a Vietnamese bistro in there, we've got Italian. So obviously, we want to spread that out. We want to make sure that what we put in there fits with what we currently have in that area. And then when we open up more spots, we obviously want to be selective not to, um, you know, stomp on too many people's, um, you know, I have two burger places and two barbecue places. We want to make sure there's a lot of diversity. So um, that's number one, but then, you know, this area, just seeing what we do will prove um, that there's an obvious demand for it. Right. Like the fact that we do the amount of covers that we do currently as we add more businesses, as we add more residential, um, those numbers are just going to increase. And they also, you know, strengthen numbers, right? So when we opened up Boca and Lupo Pizzeria, our neighbor at, at Bebo's saw a huge spike and she hasn't dipped from that spike. So when you bring more stuff to that area, I think everyone kind of uh, benefits from it. So. Um, if we create a good mix of, of cuisines and styles, whether it's QSRs or full service, I think that's going to be um, the key. I mean, is there, is there any like
0: one thing or one style of cuisine that you're, you're kind of holding for yourself You know, like, like, okay, I'll, I'll find someone to do, you know, tacos or I'll find someone to do, Gulf coast seafood or, or whatever, but, but like, I, I really want to do the steakhouse, you know, is there anything like that that you sort of envision is going to be like a signature place for you specifically?
2: Hmm. Um, sure. I would love to do something in the style of like American contemporary, but almost like omakasi. very small, 20, 30 seats, um, weekly change in menu, that kind of thing. So I would want to reserve something like that for myself. I, I feel like that is the next phase of something I want to do where I could actually be more hands-on in the kitchen on a daily basis than right now. Not as hands-on as I would like to be. So
0: yeah, I, you know, we, we go back a long way, kind of a diner chef relationship. I mean, I, you know, I remember you showed up at uh, the Grand Prize Kitchen one night and did an all duck menu. And yeah. and I've always kind of always like, oh yeah, he's not just burgers. <laughs> you know, like, oh, you know, actually actually this guy can cook a little bit. It's like so yeah, I'm I'm in favor of anything that kind of lets you like get really creative and and get really personal with people because I I think that'd be
2: really exciting. Yeah, you know, I've always talked about a um a way to reproduce the experience I had with the bad because I cooked for them. They ate at their Island and they had guests over. I'd cook for them. They'd eat at their Island. I would engage with them. And that experience to me was so great because I got to explain what I was doing and, and why I was doing it, why I was so passionate about it. And I know that his guests as well as him got great, enjoyment out of that as well as i did so i want to create that experience you have to keep it small enough so that you can pay attention to everybody but there's something to that hidden no model that is really attractive to me and again I, i probably wouldn't do it exactly like they would but it it's uh that's something i want to do i'm really really hungry to do something like that
0: yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you if you'd kind of been to some of these modern tasting menus, whether it's degust or hidden omakase no or even to temo, and kind of what you, kind of what your take was on on that movement because it it really has only happened, kind of since it's kind of post pandemic, you know, people like looking for a more personal, a more elevated kind of experience.
2: I think it's going to be that and QSRs in the future. I don't think that the big dining room days are going to be around. That's just my like (laughs) weird, like look into the industry. I might be totally off, but I do think the way that, you know, generations past us look at dining. I think they're going to look at really good intimate experiences and they're going to look at how do I get what I need as fast as I possibly can without Uh, friction, you know, Uh, they're in the age of, you know, people trying to defrictionize their lives and restaurants are trying to do that right now. So,
0: yeah, no, it's, it's funny. It's like the, it's like to a certain extent, I, I agree with you, right? Like the thought of, you know, reef is like the, this like 200 plus seat you know, upscale seafood restaurant, you know, from the, from kind of the mid aughts into the teens, it's like, that that just seems like that's from a totally different era of restaurants. But then I go to Blue Bluedorn and it's, you know, 150 people and, you know, half the tables have lobster pot pie and, and the other half have baked Alaska flaming on. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe people do still like that, that big room and the energy. It just did, but it just has to, you just have to really kill it.
2: <laughs> like, really like when it's
0: really, to. really good, that's still okay. But, but, you know, but then again I was at I was at Theodore Rex last week and it's you know, thirty something seats and it and it was full the whole time on a Monday night. And I'm like, yeah, this is actually really nice. Like I, you know, just this little this little room and you can see everybody and see everything that's going on. That that's actually still a really nice way to dine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean I I don't I don't want that to be the case, but in my head I've I've you know planned um some concepts around the ideas of creating a lot more QSRs and a lot more intimate experiences, even if the dining rooms are 60 seats, right? But just not these massive 200 seat rooms. I think it's also challenging with staffing and hopefully that all changes. My mind will change as that gets easier to navigate those waters.
0: Right. I'm, I'm hearing that it's easing up, that it's not as, it's not as tight as things were maybe a year ago when it was, when it was really bad.
2: For sure. For sure. I, I, I definitely think we're on the, the swing of, of upside on that, but you know, um, it's still, it's still somewhat challenging from that side and it's, it's still challenging from the ingredient side. You are seeing some weird price spikes on things that are just odd.
0: Yeah, e- eggs and butter, right? Like I, uh, you know, or uh, among other things.
2: Yeah, among other things, but eggs, like, wow. Of course, I open up a cafe selling breakfast tacos right at the beginning of that. It's like the smartest thing I could have done.
0: Right, and the and the fresh pasta you you sell from from Beau. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that that goes through a share of eggs too. I'm sure
2: oh my god yeah i remember that phone call too i was like yep it's coming from everywhere baby coming (laughs) from everywhere
0: so so just kind of last question i mean i i know you guys like to eat out i i know you know i I know you're busy so i know you don't have a ton of time but is there any one place you've been recently that just really impressed you
1: Hmm.
2: wow uh you mentioned blue door and that impressed me (laughs) um I uh, just recently went to Hidno Mikasi. That was a really great experience. Um, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I, I cook a lot at home. So <laughs> I'm excited that uh, I get the opportunity to do that a little bit more now. So uh, trying out new stuff, getting ready for new new restaurants in the future.
0: Uh, all right well you know before i let you go we have to play the lightning round five easy questions five short answers and and just so you know justin is a as a favor to you i have five all new lightning round questions because i i didn't want to give you the same old same old
2: great thank you so much
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right five easy questions five short answers just say the first thing that comes to mind Justin Turner, what is your favorite pasta shape? Bucatini. What is the last TV show you binge watched? Breaking Bad Again. What is the first album you bought?
2: (laughs) Uh, Death Leopard Hysteria.
0: (laughs) Who is a celebrity you would like to meet?
2: Jose Andres.
0: And finally, when you're
2: ordering a drink,
0: what's your go-to cocktail?
2: Dirty martini with uh, blue cheese olives.
0: All right, Justin Turner, give us the give us the website and the social media for Boca Lupo. Whatever you're, whatever you feel like sharing.
2: <laughs> it is uh, Boca B O C C A H T X dot So that's Boca H-T-X.com and Lupo L-U-P-O com.
0: Justin thanks so much
2: thank you guys thank you I really appreciate it
0: you can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler keep it locked on dot com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news thanks so much for listening I'll be back next week